Good morning everyone. It's good to see you on this last day of the 2023. So my name's Reese. I'm the youth pastor here at Westlake and it's good to good to see you. Welcome. Well, so tomorrow it's the start of 2024, believe it or not. Hasn't the year flown by? We're almost a quarter of the way into the 21st century. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> so, it's often referred to as the digital age, isn't it? The 21st century. And we've come a long way since floppy disks. You youth here probably have no idea what floppy disks are, have you? No. Well, maybe you'll know what CDs are. There's, maybe you've found a few old CDs gathering dust in your house. Well, in 2011, some researchers calculated that the amount of information stored on the internet, if it were copied to CDs, would stack from the moon and a quarter of the way back. So it'd reach from Earth to the moon and a quarter of the way back. And that was in 2011. It's changed a lot since then. But researchers' uh, conclusion from back then even was that we're moving from an information age to a knowledge age. It's estimated now, um, depending on how you calculate it, whether it's the stream data or the stored data on the internet, but there's actually 120 zettabytes of information on the internet. If you wanted to download one zettabyte, it would take you, uh, at the respectable speed of 100 gigabytes a second, it would take you 2,535 years to download that. Another way to put that is that one zettabyte of uh, data could hold 36,000 years worth of high-definition video. So there's a lot of information online. And that's going to continue to grow, isn't it? So how can we uh, find wisdom when we've got all this information um, to look at? Well, as people living in the knowledge age with answers to questions that are so easily to be found online, we're actually going to look today at how to be wise, okay? It's the last day of the year, and we're going to look at the account of the Magi from Matthew chapter 2, the story of foreigners traveling for miles to find the king of the Jews. So we're going to begin with looking at wisdom, the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this doesn't mean that as Christians we're to fear our Heavenly Father because he's scary or distant or mean, but out of awe because he's so overwhelmingly holy like we sung earlier. He's so overwhelmingly and awesomely holy and separation from him has eternal consequences for us. So the verse points out that at the start of our faith journey, there has to be this realization that God is bigger than us, that he's all-powerful. And we have to realize this for wisdom to take root in our lives. So uh, there's a saying that's been around for a long time. You might have heard this before, but it's uh, been popularized by an American football player who's also a, uh, a motivational speaker, and his name's Rudy Rutiger. And uh, this is this saying, I've learned two things in my life. There is a God and I am not him. There is a God and I am not him. And when we realize this, 
It's a huge thing. I'm not in control of my life. There's a bigger king, a better king. And that can be scary for many reasons. Because here I am building my own little kingdom. And all of a sudden I realize that my kingdom is not going to stand the test of time. And that I'm not even in control of my own life. And when we realize that there's a greater king, we can either choose to seek him or reject him. And we see both of those responses in the passage today. So let's start with the Magi. Now the Magi do not start off following Yahweh God. They are masters in their craft. They know the constellations. They've studied the stars and they know them. But then something happens within their sphere, pardon the pun, um, that reminds them of their place in the universe. Something huge that has them questioning their worldly wisdom. A new star appears. And I'm not going to go into detail on the star itself. Martin gave a great class before Christmas on this, and he also recommended a book. So if that interests you, then please do have a listen to that class. So these diviners, probably from Persia, who would have had the works of Daniel, the head magi during Israel's exile, have deduced that something special is happening. There's a new king, a better king coming. And perhaps they read the, the prophecy in Numbers 24 that was mentioned earlier as well, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Moab. He shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the, uh, sorry, he shall rise out of Israel uh, and crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. But now they see that he is here. They see him and he's near. Okay, so we know um, they, they may have, so we, sorry, we know that um, they found out in verse two that this star would lead them to the king of the Jews, the long-awaited Christ, and he's God's chosen eternal king. And their response to knowing that, uh, sorry, what's their response to knowing that someone is greater than them, the chosen one of heaven? Well, they travel a long, dangerous journey to find him. And when they do find him, they're overjoyed. They're committed to worshiping him and bowing down before him. They're committed to humbling themselves before him verse 10 and 11 so here is the the fear or awe if you like of the lord they see the work of almighty god in the world in the field that they specialize in and they humbly submit they realize that we're not the big deal here but that the true king is coming so let's go and worship him and this is how wisdom starts and the alternative is Herod's response. God is moving in the heavens to show that his son has arrived on earth. And Herod's response is false humility. Because when he hears the news, he's troubled. Verse 3. Herod has fear of this new king. Not fear that causes him in order to humble himself. But he fears the threat to his own power and his own kingdom. And this fear leads to pride and ruthlessness. He has a cunning plan to use the wise men to find the baby and come back and tell him so he too can worship. Verse 8. But the truth is, he wants to know so that he can remove the threat, doesn't he? 
And he will go to any length to get this job done. He's so determined to keep building his own crumbling kingdom that he's worked so hard for instead of welcoming the new king and joining his kingdom. I wonder how you'll respond to the coming of God's true king as we approach this new year. You can humble yourself like the Magi, the pagan academic elite who see a greater power pointing themselves to his king. Or you could proudly say, well, I'm not in control, but I'm going to keep building my own kingdom up anyway. Or you could sit here and pretend to humble yourself while in your heart you're still all about building your own kingdom. But friends, whatever field you work in, whatever you're building in your life as we step into this new year, have you recognized that wisdom starts with seeing that we're not in control? That there is a king, that God has established his kingdom and that it will last for eternity. He's the one who's in control. He's the one writing the story of our lives, working all things for good. So we can trust his plans and his ways, whatever journey he takes us on this new year. So we've heard about the beginning of wisdom being uh, an awareness of who God is and his character, as opposed to who we are and our characters. But once we've begun our journey of wisdom, the next step is, of course, continuing that journey of wisdom. So this is our next point, continuing in wisdom. It's a new year tomorrow. Maybe you've got some New Year's resolutions planned out to get healthier, to declutter your house or learn a new skill. But when we make New Year's resolutions, we know that it's going to take time, don't we, to, to uh, instill that habit. It's going to take a commitment. And this is something that we see in the wise men as they journey. They're committed to finding the new king. And that means that they continue in wisdom. There were difficulties to be faced. I mean, you can just imagine up to a two-year journey, traveling across the de desert, away from family, away from home comforts, from your own bed, familiar foods, to finally reach what you think is going to be your destination. These pagan men are leaving everything behind and going against their own culture, away from their own culture to find the king of the Jews. And journeys don't always go as planned, do they? Uh, a long time ago, I went on a mission trip to Mexico. But before I went, I tore my ankle ligament. Now, it didn't stop me going, but it made the trip a lot more difficult than I would have liked. And the, the journey where we, uh, that we made, we first flew into Toronto from London. But our flight there was delayed a lot. And uh, that meant that we were really late for our connecting flight to Mexico City from Toronto. Thankfully, my then fiancé helped me. And instead of me carrying Keturah's bags to the plane, uh, through the airport, she ended up pushing me in a wheelchair uh, while running the whole way through the airport so that we could get our connecting flight. And I imagine pushing me is not an easy task. <laughs> but whether a physical journey a journey through a season in life, or part of our spiritual journey. There are always roadblocks or unexpected turnings that can discourage us from carrying on, isn't there? Think about the wise men arriving at the king's palace. They made it 
finally, after all this time. But the king isn't there. Instead of a two-year-old king, there's more like a 72-year-old king. Was it all a mistake? Have they got something wrong? Even in the temple in Jerusalem, they don't seem to be bothered about this new king. Is it a wasted journey across the desert? Should they just give up? But instead of giving up, they wisely keep going. Every day of their journey, they had to make the wise choice to carry on. And we don't know all the details of this, but this, these were real men. This is a, a real story. Despite the challenges, they went all that way to see Jesus. Continuing in wisdom isn't going to be an easy path, is it? How many times in your own life have you been hoping for something and not seen it happen? How many times on your journeys have you faced disappointment? The wise men see the heavens move for God's people, and yet his people are oblivious to it. The Magi have traveled hundreds of miles, maybe over a thousand, to find the king of the Jews, and yet the people there cannot even go six miles with them down the hill to Bethlehem. Not even the scribes or the chief priests are stirred into action by the news. Instead, choosing comfort and security by staying in Jerusalem. So despite the responses of others, they wisely continue searching for God's true king. The wise men are committed to humility, setting out on a dangerous journey. They don't know everything. They don't know who they're going to meet, what difficulties they will face on their way. But they set out to worship. They set out knowing that they're going to humble themselves before this king that they've never met. To bow down before him. That's exactly what they do when they meet him. We see wisdom in their worship as they bow before the king and give him gifts fit for him in verse 11. Gold for a king. Frankincense for the great high priest. Myrrh for the one who would be the great perfect sacrifice. The continued wisdom of the wise men is seen in their actions and their um, committed to doing what's right. They're not distracted or put off track by anything else or anyone else. The prophet Micah tells us that continuing in wisdom, uh, being committed to doing what is right, means living the way God calls us to live. Micah 6 verse 8 says, He's told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to do? Uh, do justice and love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. The wisdom of God is seen in the actions of his people, bringing justice where there's injustice, showing mercy to the one who only knows judgment, walking humbly with their God every moment of their lives, every step of their journey. And even though to act justly means potentially making enemies of one group, and that loving mercy means potentially making enemies of another group. And also uh, saying that we walk through God with every moment of our lives, every step of our journey, that also isn't popular uh, to hold in the, uh, of you to hold in the world today, is it? But like the wise men, we find ourselves rejoicing in wisdom because true wisdom leads us to God. And as God promises, 
to bless those who find wisdom. We see in Proverbs 3.13. Blessed are those who find wisdom. Those who gain understanding. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing that we can desire uh, compares with it. Continuing and therefore growing in wisdom means walking through life with God. But not just walking, walking humbly. It's not uh, the length of the journey that matters, but it's about finishing it as well, isn't it? Finishing it well. And as we humble ourselves daily, God can work in us daily to shape us. They weren't alone either. It wasn't the wise man. They traveled together to spur each other on. And we too have each other, the body of Christ, to encourage each other to keep on living wisely and uh, to do that in humble submission to our King. So if we walk with the Lord in wisdom, we grow in joy and we can discern the right path to take next, which brings us to our last point, wisdom in discernment. The wise men's journey does not end at the manger, does it? Verse 12, they're warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country via another way. So the wise men, they've been guided by the star to find Jesus, but they don't stop following God's lead. They don't ignore the supernatural. They don't put it down to indigestion or having eaten too much fondue. They take God's warning seriously and they don't go back to Herod. They discern that though this was not the expected next leg of their journey, that they are going to go back another way. And our journey does not always, uh, sorry, our, our journey does not end when we meet Jesus, but it too is an onward journey of following God's lead and discerning wherever he might be guiding us to next. And wisdom is discerning and trusting in the Lord with all our heart, not leaning on our own understanding, acknowledging God in, our, in all our ways and he will make our path straight. For the wise men, they thought they knew what the plan was. Return to Herod, uh, let him know with great joy where the Christ could be found so that he too could go and worship him. He might have even helped them with supplies for their journey back home. A nice stay at the palace before uh, the desert journey begins again. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? But they didn't know the bigger picture. And they didn't know what was that um, what was going on back at the palace or what, of course, history would be. Only God knew. And even though it was an unexpected turning, they had the wisdom to discern that it was the right way. Have you ever been on a hike uh, where you're following the footpath signs, those yellow diamonds, and then suddenly they stop? Maybe some youth has removed one of them <laughs> and you can't find the next one. It's so frustrating. Where, where have the, the signposts gone? They've just run out. Am I going to get lost? Am I going to go the wrong way and take a wrong turning? Well, God promises that he will always guide us. The wise men followed the star and we follow Jesus, the light of the world, the light that never fades. The word who is the lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God's guidance may not be as obvious as the wise man's dream at times, but if we seek his will, he will never let us down. So let's keep following God's lead 
by acting in faith. When Peter walked on water, why was it that he started to sink? He took his eyes off Jesus and he stopped trusting. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus this new year so that we are able to allow him to lead us, to, to walk us into the unknown, continuing in wisdom so that we can be able, with the Holy Spirit's help, to discern what is right. The danger is that if we don't, then we suffer the warning from Isaiah 29, verses 13 and 14. Although God promises to be with his people and to guide, if they are only drawing near to him with their mouths and their hearts are far away from him, then the opposite is true. For those, their wise men's wisdom will vanish and the discernment of their discerning shall be hidden like what's happened in Jerusalem with Herod and the scribes here. They had all they needed to know, but they didn't have the wisdom and therefore the discernment that they should have to leave everything and go those extra miles down that hill to worship the king. And the consequences are that they missed out on the most important encounter of their life. If your heart is far away from God today, Come back to him. He already knows where your heart is. Don't try and trick God with phony words like Herod. Come back and follow him and worship him for real. Your own wisdom will only let you down. Instead, this new year, draw near to God and he will draw near to you so that you will have the wisdom in discernment to follow his lead. As we finish this morning, are we beginning the new year knowing that God is in control and humbly reflecting on the wonder of the gospel? Will we continue our journey with Christ in wisdom, encouraging others and allowing others to encourage us, discerning which turnings to take whilst trusting in God's plans? We have an awesome God who loves to richly bless his people in wisdom. So let's enjoy growing in his wisdom in 2024.